Thank you for joining us for another life-giving message from City Church Now in Progress. Amen and amen. We've used for our anchor text uh, Mark chapter 8, verses 22, I believe through 26. And in those verses, we find tremendous wisdom and insight, and we also find the pattern of God. Now, this, this, verse is, this chapter or these verses are unique, as we mentioned in week one, uh, because, number one, Jesus encounters this man who is blind. His friends bring him to Jesus. And instead of performing the miracle in the city, in the, the town of Bethsaida, he brings the man outside of the village, outside of the town, and performs the miracle on the outskirts of the city. Uh, it's worthy of noting. Uh, that Jesus brought the man out. I think there are times, and we've said this before, that God does his best work in isolation. Uh, That God has to remove you from the wrong environments that have influenced your thinking, influenced your behavior, that have informed the patterns of your life to do his best work. The scripture is replete with examples where God did his best work alone. So he brings the blind man out of his comfort zone, out of what's familiar, and may that be a word to somebody this morning, that you may find yourself in an unfamiliar setting. It's because God is bringing you out of your comfort zone so he can do a new thing in you. He's not going to put new wine in old wineskins. So Jesus, on purpose, deliberately brings the man away from his friends, Come on, somebody, that's a whole nother sermon right there. Because not everybody in your circle is in your corner. He brings them away from his friends, as well-meaning as they were. We're going to bring him to Jesus so Jesus can help him. And Jesus says, that's as far as you're going to go. Because what I have to do in him, I have to do alone. So if you find yourself in that place, that season of aloneness, God is all in it because what he desires to do next in your life, he can only do one-on-one. He can't do in the midst of a crowd. This story stands alone because Jesus brings the man out of the village. And secondly, this story stands alone because uh, it required a second touch for this man to receive. Listen to this. Clarity of sight. Clarity of sight. And we've said that 2020 for our church is going to be a year of uncommon clarity, but also accelerated manifestation. Man, and the testimonies are happening. Uh, I'm getting texts, man. During the week, throughout the week of how God is doing a work of accelerated manifestation and giving people clarity about things that they need to do now and what they must do next. We'll be sharing those stories uh, as those individuals are comfortable to share them. So God is already fulfilling his word. So in this account, we see that Jesus gives this man clarity. Not just sight, but clarity. If we're not careful, you're going to miss that. Not just sight. Clarity. And I believe that there is something in this miracle that we could miss because it is possible (laughs) to be blind and settle for sight. 
Because now your condition is better. Now you can see. Now you're no longer in darkness and you can see men walking as trees. But sometimes God will do just enough to, if, to see if we're going to settle there. Listen to me. I don't know about you, but if this is me or Jesus, and I know that Jesus has a reputation for being a healer, and everybody and everything he touched healed instantaneously, miraculously, and then Jesus touched my eyes. Now I can see, but I can't see clearly. And then Jesus, who had a reputation for healing everybody else completely, instantly asked me, hey man, what do you see? Now let me just put this in perspective. Have you ever had, let me put it this way, have you ever been invited to dinner at somebody's house and the food was bad? They brought the food out, set it in front of you, and you took that first bite. And you know how, you know, you know how when people can't cook, they stand right over you. <laughs> and what's the question they ask? Is it good? Andrea said, and you're like, mm, mm, mm. Listen to me, listen to me. Our human reaction is to say, yeah, it's good. We don't tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth because we're concerned about the person's feelings. Here's a blind man who can now see, but he can't see clearly. And Jesus says to him, what do you see? I think sometimes God just gives us a little bit to whet our appetite. To see if we're going to settle there. To see if we'll be bold enough as this man was with Jesus and says, Jesus, I know you touched me. I can see something. Are y'all listening to me? I can see something, but I know there's enough power in you. Not just to restore my sight, but to give me clarity. And he says to Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> I see something. I see men, but they look like trees walking. Sometimes Jesus just wants us to get to the place where, where we are is not where we're going to settle. And he's waiting for us just to be honest enough, hungry enough, desperate enough for the second touch. See, the truth is about 2020, as the Lord moves us from where we are to where he's taking us, is he's saying, I don't want my babies, I don't want my children. Just having Sight. I want him to see clearly. I want him to see clearly. 
I want them to see clearly. Now, interestingly enough, uh, uh, my favorite part about the, 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 this exchange, the narrative, is the fact, uh, in fact, let's just read it. Can we do that? Uh, Mark chapter 8, we'll begin reading at verse number 22. I'm reading from the New King James. Uh, the text will also be on the screens for your convenience. The scripture says in verse 22, then he came to Bethsaida, and they, his friends, brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. <sighs> Woo, how are we going to do this, Lord? Here it is, verse 23. I think that's what we're going to preach today. Because it's easy to talk about the first touch and the second touch. But we often miss what precedes even the first touch. And what precedes the first touch is that Jesus, <laughs> the Son of God, the promise keeper, the way maker, takes the blind man by the hand. Woo! Listen to me. Listen to me. He takes the blind man by the hand and leads him out of town. Listen to me. I don't even know how to say it. I don't know if I can articulate what the Lord's put in my heart for our church this morning. But listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. The healing, the healing, ah, the healing comes after the blind man trusts Jesus to take his hand and lead him away from everything he knows from the friends that brought him into an unfamiliar place. Somebody come help me. Somebody come help me. Dexter here today? Terrell, why don't you come? Your proxy for Dexter. You as light-skinned in-law. <laughs> El DeBarge. I'll be sure. Okay, I'll be sure. I'll be sure. I'll be sure. Sheesh. You're going to be Jesus. That's all right. That's all right. You got him. You're going to be Jesus. I'm going to be the blind man. Okay? All right. I'm going to close my eye. You take me wherever, but I'm going to hold your hand. You take me wherever. I don't know where we're going. You can turn around, spin as much as you want, but this is the blind man in Jesus. He has to trust that wherever Jesus is taking him is best for him. He has no idea where he is. Right now, I couldn't tell you where. I know I'm somewhere in this building, but I have no idea where I'm standing right now. In fact, I would venture to say as Jesus is leading the blind man out of the village, he's probably hearing sounds that were once familiar, but now the sounds are changing. You know when someone's blind, right? Their hearing, their ability to hear, the acuity of their hearing increases. Their ability to smell certain things increases. And all of a sudden, Jesus is taking this blind man away from everything that is familiar. It's like, man, I've never smelled this before. I've never heard these voices before. I've never heard children playing. Oh, I don't hear the voices of my friends. Where are they? Jesus is holding my hands, but this is unfamiliar. Where are 
you taking me? The scripture says Jesus took the blind man by the hand. And the reason I want to share this message with you is simply because if we're going to experience clarity in our lives, listen to me, if you're going to experience clarity in your life, not just getting to the place where you have sight, but have clarity, you have to trust the process. Before he even gets to the healing, Jesus takes the man through a process. And the process requires this man to follow Jesus blindly. You don't get to the healing until you're willing. Let's walk around a little bit more. If I trip over one of these monitors, man, I'm going to get you, bro. I'm just saying. <laughs> Jesus wouldn't do that to the blind man. I'm just saying, bro. Just saying. <laughs> it might be a test. It might be a test. Could be a test. So here's Jesus and the blind man. Every step, every stone that he kicks, he has to trust that Jesus, I just felt a mic stand. Where are you taking me, bro? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. He's got to trust the process. Listen to me. Listen to me. There are seasons where you're somewhere and you have no idea what you're doing there. Why you're there. All you know is who holds your hand. And it's an awkward place. And even your steps, the steps you take, even more careful because you can't see but you know who's holding your hand listen to me you can't see but you know who's holding your hand some of you find yourself in your place right now where it seems it feels like I'm blind I don't know what I'm doing but all I can trust is who holds my hand and the Lord says trust the process because he held his hand and then he led him away. He led him away. Terrell, you're doing great. I'm going to open my eyes now. Show your love for Terrell. Now, there's a reason this is important. There's a reason this is important. The reason this is important is it sounds even like a contradiction. And here's why it sounds like a contradiction that God will require us to walk by faith and not by sight. The reason the Lord invites us to walk by faith, to walk blind, is because sometimes our sight can be our greatest limitations. He says, walk blind because he knows human nature, and you can cue this video now. He understands human nature that sometimes what we see and how we process what we see can become the greatest deterrent and lid on our lives. When he sent the spies into the promised land, they saw a land flowing with milk and honey, but they also saw giants. 
And so they came back with an evil report. Ten of them came back with an evil report. Because even though they saw a land flowing with milk and honey, even though they brought back grapes that were so big that they had to carry it on a pole between two men, they brought back evidence of how rich the land was. They saw giants. And sometimes what we see can be the greatest deterrent to what God desires to do in our lives. And sometimes God in his infinite wisdom will put you in situations and circumstances where it feels like you're a blind man walking. Where the only thing that you have to trust is not what you're looking at, but it's resting in who's holding your hand. Let's kill the lights and run this video clip and we'll finish the message. Amen. I absolutely love that clip from the movie Facing the Giants because what that clip teaches us is that we're capable of doing infinitely more if we'll simply choose to walk blind, walk by faith. If he had seen where he was, he would have quit after 20 yards, after maybe 30 yards, because he thought that was his lid, his limitation. But by taking away what he could see, so that his behavior and his actions were not limited by what he could see, he could do infinitely more. And so what the Lord wants us to remember today is, is you got to trust the process. And sometimes, all you'll have to rely on is the fact that he's holding your hand. Even when you can't see it, even when you don't know how far you've made it, he's going to get you to the end zone. The coach challenging him to take a few more steps is what God does for us when we find ourselves in process. And I shared this with the men in our Bible study yesterday morning. <laughs> I said, sometimes the problem isn't that we don't have faith. Sometimes the issue isn't that we don't pray. Sometimes the issue is our conditioning or the lack thereof. Because some of us are good if the process only requires me to pray for one or two days. But if I got to pray this thing out, if I got to wait this thing out, for a month, that turns into six months, that turns into a year, that sometimes turns into a decade. Do I have the spiritual conditioning to do the death crawl beyond what is just comfortable for me? How many of you realize that if you only do what's natural, you ain't growing? And sometimes God requires us to walk blind. And in walking blind, we will discover infinitely more of God's grace at work in us to do so much more. Listen to me. God anointed David King when he was 16. But he had the spiritual conditioning to endure 14 years before he sat on the throne. And that's the problem with culture today. We microwave everything. We want, we want it now, instant, everything. And won't even wait for the process to run its course. 
How many of you know that's just putting a cake up in a Keurig? It's different than when you grind those beans and take it through a process. Most people are comfortable with a K-cup version of Christianity because we don't want God to take us through process. But the things that go through process are of infinitely more value. Listen to me for the ladies in the house. There's some of you, man, who love your pearls. But there's a whole lot of pearls, different kinds of pearls. There's fake pearls that they can make in the lab. There's cultured pearls. But then there's them real pearls. And those real pearls are the result of irritation that enters, what is it? The oyster or the clam? I forget. Oyster. Hmm? No? Sand enters the oyster, which causes irritation. The oyster secretes this enzyme, which creates a pearl. Are y'all with me? In order to have a pearl of infinitely more value, it has to go through process. Now you get a cheap pearl made in a lab, but it hasn't been through process. And what God wants to do in your life, what God wants to do in my life is produce something in us that is of infinitely more value. I was sitting there the other day and I realized Hebrews chapter 11, the faith hall of fame. Most of my preacher friends have used that chapter to talk about how we can use our faith to prosper and be blessed. And yes, it's true. God wants us to prosper. He wants us to be blessed. But how many of you realize Hebrews chapter 11, the entire chapter, is all about people that God took through process who suffered a while. The context of Hebrews chapter 11 is not faith that gives you a lot of money and a big house on the cul-de-sac. It is about the faith that you need to endure the process. Hmm. So the Lord wants to take us through process. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to get out of your way. Abraham had a promise from God. I'm talking about your spiritual conditioning, and that's the problem. Most of us quit on God prematurely because we we're not conditioned spiritually for the long haul. What if you're Abraham and God says you're going to be the father of many nations, and you 75. Ain't nothing happened and you 99. Do you, listen, how many of our, how many of us abandoned our dreams prematurely? How many of you are still holding on to the same dream God gave you 25 years ago? Most of us have just said, maybe that was just me thinking, maybe that was just me dreaming. You know why? Most of us don't have the conditioning to do the death crawl of faith beyond 20 yards. Spiritual conditioning. Did I send you the, the, the Joe Foreman quote? Let's put the, uh, not Joe Foreman, Joe Frazier. <laughs> what am I thinking? Let's put that on the screen. It says you can map out a fight plan or a life plan, 
But when the action starts, you're down to your reflexes. That's where your road work shows. Is there more to it? There's not more? Man, there was more to that quote. Let me read it to you. It says you can map out a fight plan or a life plan, but when the action starts, it may not go the way you planned, and you're down to your reflexes. That means your preparation. That's where your road work shows. Listen, if you cheated on that in the dark of the morning, you're going to get found out now under the bright lights. Under the bright lights of life. And most of us want to cheat on the process. And now when the bright lights of life come on, we ain't got nothing left. The Lord says, trust the process. David knew at 16 that he would succeed Saul. But the promise wasn't fulfilled for 14 years. Abraham knew he would be the father of many nations, but that promise wasn't fulfilled 25 years. Somebody say spiritual conditioning. If we cheat on the process, we're going to get found out. Oh, can I give you another one? Let me give you another one. This is an audible. It's not in the text, but look at Matthew chapter 4 or Mark chapter 4. Look at Mark chapter 4. Let me show you what it looks like when our spiritual conditioning is off. And the Lord is saying today, I want you to trust the process. And I have you blindfolded on purpose so that you can't trust what you see because what you see will limit you. It will say to you, you can't go any further than what you see because you see the giants. You see 20 yards. You see 30 yards. And God says, I want to get you all the way into the end zone. And the only way I can get you in the end zone is to blindfold you so you, all you have to trust is my voice in my hand. Matthew chapter 4, verse 13. Jesus has just taught his disciples the parable of the sower. And now he explains the parable of the sower. He says, don't you understand this parable? Listen, Jesus is saying this is foundational to us understanding the kingdom. He says, if you don't understand this parable, you ain't going to understand anything else. Everything in the kingdom is predicated upon the law of sowing and reaping. Verse 14 says, the sower sows the word. So the seed that the sower is sowing is the word of God. And now he begins to talk about our different heart conditions that determine what happens with the word we hear. The problem isn't the seed. The seed is infinitely and uh, uh, inherently good. It is inherently incorruptible. The problem with whether the seed bears fruit or not is the soil that it falls on. So everybody in this room is going to hear the same thing. But not everybody in this room is going to get the same outcome. Because some of this seed of the word that's falling is going to fall on some bad soil. Okay, so he says, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes when? Immediately. When does Satan come? Immediately. As soon as you walk out the door, somebody asks you what they preach on. Uh, it was good though. If you walk out of service and can't remember what they preached on, it could be an indicator of the kind of soil, the kind of soil conditions that you have in your heart. You know why? It says, when does Satan come? Immediately. And does what? 
and takes away the word that was sown where? In their hearts. Let me correct our theologies for a second. I've heard pre preachers, even some of my Bible school instructors, say you have to meditate on the word to get the word from your head to your heart. Where's the word sown? In their hearts. Jesus said the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. The word goes to our heart. The reason we have to meditate on the word is to get the word from our heart to our mind and get our minds renewed. God is not going to sow his word in our mind that is resistant to the word. He sows it in our heart because the scripture says the heart is willing. The reason we meditate on the word is to get the word from here to our head so that we can change the way we think. So for every preacher who said, meditate on the word to get it from your head to your heart, God sows the word in our hearts. Because the heart is willing, the flesh is weak. Alrighty. What was I talking about spiritual conditioning? Let me, let me show you where the spiritual conditioning plays out. Where are we in verse 16? Uh, verse 17. Uh, verse 16. These likewise, he's talking about the other soul condition. He says, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Hey! But they have no root in themselves, and so endure for how long? Only for a time. No spiritual endurance. No spiritual endurance. And notice what it says. It says, afterward, when life gets hard, when tribulation or persecution arises, why? For the word's sake, doing things God's way, they immediately stumble. He's talking about people who have no spiritual endurance and only endure for a season. What if God's process for your life looks more like Joseph and Abraham? Do you have the spiritual conditioning to endure beyond one week, beyond two weeks? Do you have the spiritual conditioning like Joseph to endure for 13 years, hoping that God will fulfill his word in your life? Somebody said, trust the process. So here we are, here we are, here we are. I'm going to have to finish this next week. I'm going to have to finish this next week. Here's what's critical to understand. God has a plan, but then he takes us through a process so that we can receive the promise and he can fulfill his purpose. Four things. God has a plan. He's always had a plan. But then he takes us through a process so that we can receive the promise and he can fulfill his purpose. You know what that means? You and I receiving the promise of God is tied to something bigger. And that something bigger is God's purpose being fulfilled. You and I are just one piece in the puzzle. So a lot of times we think that, oh, I'm going to trust God. You're just one piece in the puzzle. You are something, you are part of something that is much bigger than just you. However, your obedience to what God wants to do in you and through you will impact so many more. I hope you catch that. God's blessing is about so much more than you, you and I just having more stuff. 
That's what happens when we receive the promise. That's good. But you and I receiving the promise is tied to the fulfillment of God's purpose. God brings Joseph to Egypt, not just so Joseph could be the prime minister. God had a purpose much bigger than Joseph just becoming prime minister. And that's where most of us miss it. Because we think that everything in our life is about chasing the promise. Chasing the promise. Chasing the promise. And he says, Ray, City Church, the promise is good. But you're just a hose. You're just a hose. And I need you to be the hose so I can get the water through you to the lawn. My purpose is so that this lawn can be well watered. But guess what, Ray? Because you're a good hose, you're going to get wet in the process. And that's where most of us miss the purpose of God. We don't realize I'm just a hose. God's end game is a well-watered lawn. And God says, trust the process. Trust the process. Uh, everything, I promise you, I promise you, I know I kid around with this, but everything I've said up until this moment is truly my introduction. No, like for real. I, I know I joke about it, but we're going to pick this up next week. Because the Lord wants us to understand a little bit better where we are and why we're there. Because there are many of us who are blindfolded and have no idea why we are, where we are. All we got is the fact that Jesus is holding our hand. I don't know the next step. I don't know whether we're going to go high, go low, but Lord, as I'm walking with you, I thank you that you're developing my spiritual conditioning for the long haul. So notice what the scripture says. Don't start playing just yet. Give me, give me two minutes. Oh, no, go ahead and play. No, that was good. That was good. That was good. You can play. Don't be scared. Oh, man. I wish I had time. We'll pick up next week, but I've just got to say this, and then, and then we'll go. Psalm 105, verse 19, I'm going to read it to you from two translations, and it'll help us understand because we're going to talk about the life of Joseph next week, and we're going to learn what it looks like to trust the process. When your own brothers sell you into slavery at 17 years old, but you've got a dream from God. When there is absolutely nothing about your life that looks like what God promised. We're going to talk about that next week because that's where many people find themselves and they don't understand why. But before we can receive the promise, we have to learn to trust the process. And, and so notice what Psalm 105 and verse 19 says. It says, until, somebody say until. That denotes time. That denotes a measure of time. Until, that means somebody waited until the time that his word or the promise came to pass, the word of the Lord did what? It tested Joseph. Come on, somebody. Somebody say process. Notice what it says in the New Living Translation. I love New Living. What does it say in the New Living Translation? Do you have that? I have it. 
until the time came to fulfill his dreams. The Lord tested what? Joseph's character. Trust the process. Trust the process. What does God do in that 13 years when Joseph is, is going from the pit to the prison, uh, from the pit to Potiphar's house to prison, and then ultimately to the palace in less than 24 hours, accelerated manifestation? What was God doing? He was testing Joseph's character. Ah, I don't want to say it, but I got to say it. 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 Here it is. Here it is. That word test, let me just help us today. The word test means to refine. And the process that God takes us through is a process where he refines us. That's what this is about. That's what this season is about. And in refining, the goldsmith, the silversmith, separates the dross from the pure gold and the pure silver. The process that God takes Joseph through and the process that he takes each of us through is a process of separation. Where God wants to separate the stuff that is absolutely worthless from what is precious. Because a lot of people walk around carrying a lot of stuff that's mixed in with what is pure. And God has to take us through a process of refining the refiner's fire to separate what is worthless from what is pure. And so next week, this is where we're going to pick up the message. But this is where I close because some of you ain't going to be here next week. I got to say it. Let me encourage you. Let me leave you with a word of encouragement that will hopefully bring, hopefully bring some perspective to where you are. Your waiting season. While you're waiting on the fulfillment of the dream like Joseph waited 13 years. Your waiting season is not necessarily a wasted season. Only if, listen to me, your waiting season is not necessarily a wasted season if, if, if you will use the time wisely. Whoever said time heals had no idea what they were talking about understood absolutely nothing about life. It's not the fact that time heals, it's what I do with time that determines whether I heal or not. Because I know a whole lot of people who's still mad after 25 years over something someone said at Thanksgiving. It's been 25 years and you're still stuck in the same place. And your waiting season will be a wasted season if you don't manage your time well. And so for those who are in the building today, as I close, this is what the Lord wants us to hear. Your waiting season, David had one, Abraham had one, Joseph, Joseph had one, and we're going to talk about Joseph next week. Your waiting season is not a wasted season if you will use that time to prepare instead of procrastinate. Abraham Lincoln said... I will study, I will prepare, my time will come. 
And before Abraham Lincoln became president of the United States, he lost elections at seven lesser offices. But he continued to prepare, and he continued to study, and he says, my time will come. Here's the problem of most people. We use our waiting season to do nothing, and we claim we're waiting on God. No, God waiting on you. And your waiting season will be a wasted season if you procrastinate instead of prepare. Number two, your waiting season is not necessarily a wasted season if you will use that time to grow instead of grown. That's why most of us stay. We grumble and we complain about what's not going our way instead of learning to grow through it. We grumble about it. And that waiting season will be a wasted season if you choose to grumble about your circumstances instead of grow through them. <laughs> your waiting season will be a wasted season if you choose to be bitter instead of getting better. We're going to talk about that next week. Joseph had a lot of time, 13 years, to grow increasingly bitter against his brothers. He had a lot of time to do that. But when he comes face to face with his brothers and begins to interact with his brothers, you can see that he's learned to grow through his pain. And the Lord is saying, if we're going to walk with 2020 vision, if we're going to live with 2020 vision, we're going to have to trust the process. And how many of you realize that bitterness can make you blind? Okay. Last thing. If my waiting season is going to be productive, I've got to choose to heal instead of continuing to hurt. And the Lord is going to help us in the weeks to come to understand and learn to trust his process in Jesus' name. Father, we ask you to seal your word. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more details about City Church and for other resources, visit us online at www.citychurchtv.com or contact us via email at info at if you are encouraged or inspired by today's message, we ask that you prayerfully consider partnering with us financially, either in a one-time gift or as a monthly partner. No gift is too small. We have three convenient ways for you to give. Via our website at citychurchtv.com backslash give. Via text, text citychurchtv and the amount that you would like to give to 77977. By mail, mail your check or money order to City Church Global Ministries, 8105 Razor Boulevard, Box 90, Plano, Texas, 75024. Once again, thank you for downloading today's message. We look forward to connecting with you soon.